0: The Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast is sponsored by ChurchCom Team. Whether you're starting from scratch or you're trying to grow, ChurchCom Team can help you with your communications at your church. Go to churchcomteam.com and request a free consultation today.
1: We feel like that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better
0: because of everybody's participation there. Church online is not a a Hebrews 10 issue, it's a Mark 16 issue where Jesus says, go into all the world and, and preach the good news. A big part of how we define success moving forward is to recognize that the people online have value and they are truly members of our congregation.
1: Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? So, way, why are we going back to that again?
0: I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute, like, this is where you have the chance to fail forward. So welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. So how many friends do you have on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and how well do you know them? That's a common joke that people make to disparage the idea that online relationships are real. I know I have about 3,000 people I'm connected to on Facebook, and some of them I do know because I'm pretty pretty particular about who I friend on Facebook, but on Instagram, I kind of let anybody in, Twitter, anybody, and so there's a lot of people I don't really know that follow me. I may not follow them back. But the idea of deep friendships and relationships in the digital space has long been mocked, or at least poked fun at. Um, but however, did you know this? That one in three divorce proceedings mention Facebook in the reasoning for the divorce. So something's going on there that's real. It's real enough to mess up some real relationships in the real world. According to a 2017 study from Stanford sociologist Michael Rosenfield, of couples reported meeting their partner online. So we don't know if they actually got married or if they stayed together, but we know that they met and started something real in the digital space. Now, why is that important? Because currently church attendance is 39% of what it was before 2020, according to the Unstuck Group's Q3 2020 report. And currently, the most recent numbers has us hovering around 28% of what it was. So let's give grace and say it's between 28 and 40% of what we were before, and many churches are experiencing the same thing. Now we couple that together with the fact that younger generations and even many of the millennials and older millennials, and I'll even say me, Gen X, are craving a more robust online experience of church. We're tired of getting up, dragging our families out on Sunday mornings and fighting the traffic and driving 20 minutes to do what we feel like sometimes we can do online. So why do it there's a lot of legitimate concern there so how do we reach and teach these generations in the digital space well my guest today jeff Reed, has coined a new phrase to describe churches that are trying to do that it kind of it honestly it is a weird taste in my mouth to say but it combines the word physical and digital and it's the digital space for discipleship it's called fidgetal the fidgetal church So, uh, Jeffrey, let me tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on. In June 2000, Jeff led his first online Bible study, taking 75 people from around the planet through the book of James using a text-based system called Ultimate BB. Since then, Jeff has focused his energy on serving the church in the digital and technological realm by working on church staff in multiple churches, as well as running businesses that resource or complement the church. Ultimately, his passion is to help churches expand their ministry by utilizing digital platforms, which is further embracing the idea of fidgetal church and even digital only expressions. Location, independent expressions of the church as well. And all these things to reach people for Christ and bring people who are far from God closer to God. In April 2018, Jeff founded thechurch.digital, which is a website you can check him out on, with a calling to help churches better understand the strengths of digital, especially in disciple making environments, which is why we brought him on today to talk about that very thing. Jeff is also married to his high school sweetheart, Amy. I have two kids. They live in Miami, Florida and have a dog. So everybody welcome my guest, Jeff Reed, welcome back to the podcast, buddy.
1: Hey, I got to tell you, that was probably one of the the best openings I, I, I've ever heard. Man, you had some solid stats. Thirty nine percent of people met marriages they they, they met online. Like yeah. those, that's some really interesting stats. One in three divorces yeah. cited Facebook as, as the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of power in this digital stuff, man. That there, that, there that is. was really good.
0: There is. I'm trying to do my homework these days. Because I, I mean, you,
1: you came prepared <laughs> to the party, man. You, you you did your homework well. You get an A. I'll, I'll sign off.
0: On a that. A A for effort. A for effort. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm coining phrases too, buddy. A for effort. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I appreciate you being on the show. You've been on before, so look back through the other shows, and you can see a little bit more of what Jeff has done. A couple of episodes that we'll mention in the show notes, but. Um, I want to jump into this because what I just read about you and what you're doing to our audience, they're probably going to be like, okay, this is the guy he he's been doing some stuff in this for a while as well. Um, right now you meet with a lot of church leaders on a regular basis. Uh, I know that even one of our clients at church Com team, they were like, do you know, Jeff, we meet with Jeff and he talks us through digital experience and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know Jeff. (laughs) So uh, I'm glad you meet with him. That's good. Um, you meet with churches regularly to discuss these strategies. So what are you, the frustrations you hear from churches? And then maybe or are a few things you're telling them uh, in response to those frustrations about this online discipleship church thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, th- I think a lot of the physical, the, a lot of the established churches, you know, especially where we are in, in, in 22, you know, at this point, post COVID culture, like, you know, mid, maybe we're still in the middle of that. We can talk about boosters. I don't want to get political. But at the end of this, like we're we're now starting to get out of of this season, really, and, and so in this post culture, uh, COVID culture that we're in, um, you know, the, the real question is: Did we, the church, did we learn anything? Did we gain any insight from t- almost two years at this point of of being outside of of the physical building and have to adapt to a digital strategy? Having to maybe look at a a more relational approach because you don't have that large gathering, and, and the the unfortunate reality is for the majority of churches the answer is no. Um, you know they they really are going back to that that February 2020 approach where hey it's it's all about that gathering it's all about that queen and and if you are really focusing on this idea I saw this as, as a tweet just recently I don't remember who it was it was a really good tweet but if you if your church is really just focused on Sunday morning and that experience, well, don't be surprised if your attenders are weekend Christians, where they're not living that 168 lifestyle because you're not part of that. Now, that may be an oversimplification, and it's really just meant to be a mic drop. But at the heart of this thing, like we expect more out of, out of our people. And maybe the biggest frustration is that um, we, we have this expectation, but we're not equipping them, we're not training them to really do the things that we're we're expecting for them to do. And as a result of it, they're not able to grow and to understand any of this. And and so we're really stuck in this loop of, hey, we need to change. Culture needs to adapt. Uh, Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? Was it working in 2020? Eh, So, hey, why are we going back to that again? I'm sorry. You asked me the question that was like the the gasoline on the flame that got (laughs) Jeff to explode. So it's it's thank you for that.
0: It's it's absolutely true. And you know, there's a the frustrations that we're seeing is is what you're what I hear you saying is that like they know we need to change. They know there's an area to minister, they know there's something there, but maybe they lack manpower or just ideas on what to do or the money to fund The tools and things you need, you know, there's just a lot of barriers to, um, the online space. And, you know, I think a big part of it is the, you know, the aging pastor Mm -hmm. with it's becoming more and more disconnected from current technology. And there's many that are trying to keep up and it's just, as I get older, Jeff, man, it's hard for me. I'm, I'm struggling to keep up with some things like I got introduced to discord the other day and it's amazing, but I have no idea what I'm looking at. It's like I'm trying yeah. to, like TikTok, same thing. I'm looking at TikTok and going, how do I make a video? You know, which is like the dumbest thing in the world. So um, I've, I feel that frustration with technology. And I think there's a lot of that as well. And, you know, we'll get into kind of some, some of those solutions. But uh, it's led people to, to scoff at the idea of online, you know, the, the discipleship online. Like, that's not real. That's not a real thing. So what needs to really shift in the church's thinking, in your opinion? To, to see disciple, digital discipleship as an actual yeah. valid strategy. What do we need to change about how we think about that?
1: Well, S- Seth, let's let's talk about you for a second, all right? So you just confessed two things on, on your podcast. And, and first off, I want to give you credit. Like, I mean, that, that, yeah. that, that was a really interesting thing for you to say. Hey, look, I just, I, I'm a digital guy. I've been in church for a while, and I just got connected to Discord. Mm-hmm. Discord is probably one of the largest platforms with age 30 and under millions upon millions of people utilize that platform on a regular basis. The majority of our churches have no idea what it is because it's not aimed at their target. Well, it is, but they're not ready to acknowledge that the video gamer is a people group. And so um, understanding what Discord is, TikTok. Hey, you know what, man, listen, I'm 44. I, Jeff Reed, I'm 44. TikTok TikTok makes no sense to me, but I'm seeing You know, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing reels. I'm seeing you know whatever whatever Facebook calls it. I'm seeing what's (laughs) happening, and I'm seeing these these numbers blow up as the algorithms are working on it. And and so something's happening in my life. I, Jeff Reed, at 44, I I have two options. And I would say for Pastor who's listening to this, you got two options. You can figure out how to use TikTok, And, and and so the answer is yeah, okay. I need to understand, and I need to learn the TikTok culture myself. So that I can advise and lead my church in that season. Or option number two, you need to find somebody in your church that understands TikTok. And and instead of you being the one that's designing the strategy, listen, pastor, you're a preacher. You have seminary background. The odds odds that you're going to understand TikTok culture are are few and far between. And, And so rather than trying to control the situation where, hey, I have to understand, I have to justify how we're using each of these platforms, which, by the way, makes you an incredible lid. You're a ceiling in that situation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to release control. Now, there is someone in my church who really understands TikTok. Pastor, what you need to do is not control that person. You need to release that person. What you need to do is make sure you trust him or her Mm -hmm. spiritually. Is she discipled? Does she understand what it is to be on mission in TikTok? Or like you would trust somebody to be on mission in Paraguay, in Belize, in uh, Ukraine, wherever you would send, digital is the same approach. And so the answer is not, do I control the situation? In fact, no, you can't. You can't control somebody who's a missionary in Paraguay, but it's not about controlling that situation. It's releasing that control. And that's the problem, right. is, is that we are so, as a culture, as a church culture, as a church leadership culture, we're so used to controlling these environments, and, and that's the lid. Hey, yeah. I don't know that I knew what TikTok was two years ago. I'll tell you this. There's something else coming out. Because as much as I see 30, 40, 50-year-olds now invading TikTok, mm-hmm. I know the, 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 the teeny boppers and the tweens and everybody else is going to be running to something else. Yeah, and, and when that happens, Pastor, is it your time to learn something else? Technology's moving so fast. We haven't even said the word metaverse yet. Yeah, We're moving so, so fast. fast. Like You can't keep up, mm-hmm. and nor should you. Let go of trying to control this. Let's get back to the place of of equipping people to go on mission rather than us being the singular force that justifies whether that mission is valid or not.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a surfer's approach. You don't really control the wave. You have to figure out where it is and and position yourself in there so you can ride it and be cool.
1: Seth, I'm going to steal that. That's beautiful. you love that. It's the surfer approach. <laughs> it's the I'll give you approach. credit the first couple of times, and then it's somebody And then I it's yours. That, it, no, that's, it's cool. that's cool. That's awesome. Surfer approach. Uh, I like that.
0: Well, in in our thinking too, do we need to shift our thinking about that person on staff, whether volunteer or staff, who's running our social media digital spaces? I know that historically, we've we've viewed that person not as a pastoral person. Yeah. Not as a discipleship minister, but as a person that understands technology and completes tasks for us to create content for us to put our yeah. stuff out there. Yeah. Do we need to shift our shift our brain around on how we view that person?
1: That's 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 a great conversation, great question. So listen, I I am I'm part of a church plant down here in Miami, Florida. It's called Reality Church. The mm-hmm. church has literally existed for uh, oh well at this time of this broadcast, it'll be around about six months started September 2021. And so a small church, right? And and so I've got a, uh, I'm I'm involved in in digital, and so part of that's the communications aspect. And so I've got a a volunteer who's doing a great job creating posts. Uh, And so she creates uh, maybe four to six different posts a week for different platforms and stories and things like that. But she's really good at creating content. And, and so some of the challenge that, that I've had with her is, hey, we need to move beyond social media as content and start to look at social media, start to look at digital, not as a communication tool, but as a mission field. So it's not so much about creating that post that talks about your membership class, that talks about how awesome your kids are, that talks about you know where to park Sunday morning because you got to pay for it. You know, just some of those because we're at a setup up and tear down in a movie theater. So it's not about those details. But it's more about, you know, hey, listen, if if you were, let's, Paraguay, once again, let's just dig into it. If you're going to be on mission in Paraguay, and so you're a missionary, you're moving to Paraguay. I had this conversation yesterday with somebody. What's the first thing you do when, when you get to Paraguay? Seth, what would you do? You you are a missionary who's now going to be in Paraguay. I don't even know what the language is. What, what do you do?
0: Well, before I even get there, I'd want to know about the country. I'd want to know about the people. I'd study the language. I would try okay. to learn the language. I would find out, like... What things do I normally say that I should not say? Um, you know, I had a pastor that I worked for go to Australia and say something in, in a series that to us sounds like it's, uh, it's messed up, but, uh, it, which is another euphemism. I won't say it because we have Australian listeners, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but they said something was quote, messed up, um, you know, sounds like a man named Jack, but uh, down there, that's the same as the F word.
1: Uh, wow. Wow.
0: And, and he said it right on the stage, nobody knew it. And so I'd wanna avoid stuff like that. Yeah. I'd wanna avoid that in my ministry and just how I'm talking to people. Vocabulary is super important. Uh, but yeah, I'd learn that, I'd learn the culture.
1: So you're, you're, and what you're talking about is contextualization where you've got to understand yes. what the environment is, that's crucial. So understanding the context of it. And then once you understand the contextualization and you get there, now you're you're putting action behind all that. The first thing you're doing is meeting people building relationships, and, and through that, pointing to Christ. And, and so as we approach digital, I mean, that, that's part of, of what I would say discipleship is, disciple-making, is, is first off, starting to engage people relationally in social media is, is a crucial spot. Facebook yeah. groups, my gosh, I, I could do a search right now. I did this in the past. Uh, there are tens of thousands of Facebook groups right now that ha- when i do a search for facebook groups and i use the phrase miami cuz i live in miami tens of thousands of options pop up everything from you know artists that that sit on the beach to dog walkers here in in palmetto bay where i live to fishermen who are down in the keys like there are all sorts of facebook groups that that for for my church hey what would it look like for you to be a missionary starting to connect with people through these through the mission field and through that, listen, we can point to the physical church of, of reality church. We can point towards a digital expression of, of church and even start to disciple people digitally. If I've got somebody in the keys that doesn't want to drive the two and a half hours up to this church, I can still do ministry with them in the keys in digital space. I can still disciple them in digital space.
0: Right. And, and you, you hit on something there. I want, I, let's go ahead and jump into this because what discipleship is in general is super important as we look at it for the digital space, because we've been doing discipleship in, per- in person, or yeah. let's just say we think we have, and we, we have been trying to disciple in person. And a lot of people have different ideas of what that means. So let's talk about a biblical view of discipleship. In let's say the past 20 years, what do you feel like the church has gotten right about that? And maybe what's it got wrong too, but what, yeah. just in the sense of discipleship, what has the church really gotten right about it and what's wrong about it and you know let's see how do we apply that to digital
1: love love that you know a lot of what we look at right now what does discipleship look like And this is interesting like right now if i were to ask 10 pastors what does discipleship mean at your church chances are those 10 pastors would give me 12 different answers back yeah like there, there's not a lot of clarity around the word actually it's what you were talking about Figital earlier it's why we created the word fidgetal because fidgetal doesn't exist, and we can define it yeah. better. And mm-hmm. so discipleship is one of those words that it just it means all sorts of, of things. Um, at, at the heart of this, what discipleship means in the church today has become more of a knowledge-based scenario. I am going to take a class. I'm going to join a group. In that group, we are going to go through material. And the heart of all of that is knowledge. I am gaining knowledge about who God is, who Jesus is, you know, what sin is, and and, and through that knowledge, I am becoming a smarter, more, um, uh, more wise Christian because I am uh, consuming Scripture in, in that process. Now, the challenge with discipleship is at the core of what discipleship is. At the core of what, if you look at the the acts 2 church and even how jesus did his ministry um even john six is a great example of this jesus was not about the knowledge piece as much as the obedience as the action okay you have that what are you doing with it and this is where the church really in in recent years has gotten stuck because we've got thousands of people millions of people are Listen, attendance may be down, you listed some stats that may be better, it may be worse, but it's not what it was pre-COVID. But that's still the best resource we have because those people know people. Those people, uh, the people who are in our pews, know people who need Jesus. Or they can have conversations with people who need Jesus. And, and rather than have them be a consumer, uh, as Alan Hirsch once said, he's a, he's a church planning guy, I'd I'd rather have 12 disciples than 1,200 consumers. And actually, if you looked at a reference, John 6, this is an example of Christ where he was feeding the thousands. It was, you know, one of the, he was doing signs and wonders. He had a crowd following him because Jesus was doing practical things, um, meeting practical needs. Literally, he gave them dinner. Okay, the crowd goes to bed full. Jesus' disciples wake up early next morning, go somewhere else. crowd wakes up and says in John 6, hey! Um, where, uh, where's that guy with the food? We want brunch. And so they go to try to find Jesus. As, as a result, Jesus doesn't keep doing signs and wonders. He's not trying to amass a bunch of people following him. He, and he, he doesn't even start to like pass knowledge down. Uh, he says things like, he starts saying action things. This may be a little squirrely. He says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And even get to the point of the people freaked out. Even yeah, to the point left. of some of them were like, yeah, are you, are you, this is offensive to me. Do you understand what you're saying? And they left. Yep. The core group that was left was the foundational group that, upon which today's church was built. It was the start of the movement of, of Christianity. Acts 2 Church was born out of that, which precedes where we are today.
0: Well, and I'll, I'll, say, that, I'll say that in that same vein, what uh, some churches I've been a part of, too, especially like you get in a mega church there's almost an overcompensation of that where serving is the only form of discipleship. They they have you park cars and they have you greet people at the door and they have you pass the plate and they have you in the media team. And that's the only form of real biblical discipleship that you'll see. And so there's that lack that creates that generation of very action oriented people without any knowledge. And where Proverbs says that zeal without knowledge is folly. And so you get into that side of it too. And so I feel like there's a, there's a mixed balance there. And I think that the mistake churches make, in my opinion, is that they go to one or the other, and they yeah. view one or the other as discipleship instead of both of those things. And because and, and, when you have both those things, it's, uh, it's incredibly hard to measure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you, 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 people want to measure discipleship. Like, are we being successful? Yeah. And I'm not real sure how accurately you can do that but I think you can see the fruit of someone's life and go, that's not what Christ would do. You know? yeah. and, that, and that's kind of it. So how would you measure it? How do you measure discipleship?
1: Well, you've got to realize even what you were talking about with this discipleship in context of, yeah, serve on a team. Yeah. Listen, it's a lot easier to control a situation when somebody's serving as a guest services volunteer. Hey, you know what I need you to do? Can, can you refresh the coffee every 30 minutes? That would be awesome, and, and, and service in that context is, is maybe it's important in creating that, that experience, but there's this fine line when service becomes more about serve us, serve the building, serve the experience, serve the thing that's happening. By the way, in my life, I've created tens of thousands of these experiences, um, and, and at the end of the day, I had a midlife crisis somewhere in my early 40s when I realized is, is, is these experiences, are these things that we're doing, are they really effective? in creating disciples, in creating disciples who are capable of creating other disciples. And so in a control environment, I think it's important for the church that's wanting to control, hey, let's create safe environments for these people to serve where we can regulate what's happening and unintentionally limit the, the growth of what's possible. If yeah. we could release those people and say, hey, you know what? The most important thing you can do, there are 10 people in your life, five of them need Jesus, Five of them are burned by the church and they need to re-engage in. You need to go be Jesus to those people and train them, equip them to have those conversations. Oh my gosh.
0: That's it. I think the part missing in discipleship, and this is kind of where we get, you know, the church gets it wrong, is they never seem to connect to the service act, to the purpose behind it, or the why behind the what. What are you actually doing that's ministry? How are you growing as a Christian because you poured coffee? You know, it's like, because you're serving others. It's like, I think people see it as like, it's this nice thing to do being nice, being kind, and you're growing that way. But anybody can go and perform a job. We get paid to do stuff we don't want to do. I mean, McDonald's workers get paid to make burgers. They're not like, I am so happy to give you this burger. You know, it's just not the, it's not the same when you don't connect the the purpose behind it of, of what are we doing this for? And and when we are in discipleship, you know, relationships and things, I think, I feel like that's the part where. We make that disconnect is that discipleship is kind of a coin with two sides of serving and knowledge, and we end up only serving up one side. Yeah, um, to it. So that's my opinion. I don't know what you think. What do you think about
1: that? Well, I mean, it's it's knowledge base and obedience base, mm-hmm. and and I mean, let's let's even put more 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 skin in the game on this. Yeah, uh, knowledge based Yeah, we can we can accumulate all this knowledge. What are we doing with it? Obedience based is hey, let's look at the commands of Christ. Let's look at what Christ tells us to do in the Bible. Are, are, are we doing that? Are we, you know, Matthew 28, are we going? No, are you going? Let's, the organization may or may not and, and what their vision, but I, I, he wasn't saying it to, you know, the church of whatever. He was saying it to individuals, go. And, and so what does that mean for us as Christians? Are we going? Yeah. Are, are we doing this? Are we having those conversations? Are we caring about people? Or are we more concerned about, you know, I don't want to play the p- political card, but are we more concerned about touting an agenda or, or, or standing up for vax or no vax? Or, you know, a lot of what church has been yeah. recently, honestly, we're in need of a good PR situation. We are in need of people <laughs> to stand up and redefine because we, yeah. the church, at least here in the West, we screwed things up. Yeah. And, and it, it's the, the institutional, our organizational voices as pastors have never meant less than they mean today. Yeah. People, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you. I'll, I'll tell you the story. I was on a plane from Miami to San Francisco. I, I'm, I'm literally sitting next to a woman. Uh, she's flying from Miami to San Francisco. She says, I think my dad's going to die. And, and mm. so like literally on the, on the flight. And, and, and so I'm like, hey, I'll, 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 how can I pray for you? Let's pray together. She, as soon as she was open and wanting to converse, as soon as you know, I said I was a pastor. She shut me down like it was, you know, over. Really? Her, her literally, her father died on the flight, oh. and she is trying to hold it in and not have any. And I'm trying to like get her to have a conversation with me, and and for whatever reason, you know, she just didn't want anything to do with me. Um, in, in that because there's some preconceived notion about what a pastor is, and yeah. so the power of the church is in the pews are are the the people that are having lives outside of the church building. Yeah. And we need to be engaging, discipling, and training them on having those conversations outside. Barna tells us this digital evangelism report, December 2020. 80% of people cold I think it's actually 79, somewhere around there. Sure. And 79% of people cold to Christ, 79% of people do not have a relationship with Jesus are not Christians. When they have spiritual questions, they're either going to go to their friends, who they think have the answers to those questions, or they're going to go to Google mm-hmm. and Google YouTube. what the answer yep. to those questions are. YouTube is, is also a part of this and answer. And
0: who's creating content to answer those questions on YouTube? 15-year-olds, yep. 19-year-olds people. that may or may not be a believer. And even if they are a believer, it might be young in their faith. And, and so, But the church is really not doing that kind of content. And that's a, that could be a podcast all on its own. Yeah. Um, I, I think a big part of what we're ultimately discipleship is, you know, becoming more like Christ It's learning. You got to learn about who he is to become like him. And then you have to repeat what he did to be like him. And, and so it's passing that on. That's so difficult. And so when we look at the digital space in person, we know that it takes relationship. So in the digital space, how does that work? Because I mean, we've got like the Jedi uh, uh, kind of approach of master and apprentice type thing. You can see and 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 we understand that that type of thing in the person. But online, is there a disadvantage yeah. to being an online in discipleship relationship or discipling people online? I mean, what are how do we do that there when there's with relationships?
1: Online? Yeah. Uh. To To be honest, the majority of people, the majority of pastors, the majority of senior leaders probably in in the West would say, Hey, you know what? Um it's it, digital, you can't disciple. You, you can't be relational. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting is digital is a tool. Uh, it can be wielded however it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, if you want to be relational digitally, you can be highly relational How digitally. So? Um, I mean, listen, Tom, Tom Pounder is, is another digital guy. Yep. He's probably one of my closest friends o- over the past three or four years. I met him for the first time two months ago. Like I, I have had a relationship with this guy Mm -hmm. going years. It's never been in physical space. It's always been uh, digital, Twitter, social media, Zoom, um, emails, kind of in that. And he's been a great support in in my life. There have been Mm -hmm. situations where I've had to do um, coaching relationships and and working with church planters from across the country. There was one situation digitally. I jumped on a Zoom call uh, with a planter and his wife, I'm in Miami, they're in Las Vegas. Within 30 minutes of me in this conversation, the woman is bawling hysterically next to her husband. Um, not because I was a jerk, although it it's, could be a possibility. <laughs> but in this situation, I, I wasn't. Um, the, the fact is that I was able to sense something about her very quickly in the conversation. And I was able to pull that thread respectfully through the relationship that allowed her, that and it just exposed this massive issue. And, and we had to deal with the cleanup of that and, and what happened and the, they, they did eventually plant a church and it's a successful story. But I was able to pick up on that in digital, utilizing Zoom and, and the relationship of that. Yeah. I'll even go this far, um, Rob, Rob Wagner is, is the uh, senior leader, uh, I don't even senior leader, he's a leader at KC Underground. It's a micro church network in Kansas City He's got dozens of microchurches that are launching it. And solely he's been responsible for planting dozens of microchurch networks across the country. Pre-COVID, and and you could, I'll get him on this podcast. Like he this is truth. Pre-COVID, he was not a supporter of digital. He and I had a friendship, and and he would say pre-COVID, Jeff, I don't understand anything of what you're doing in this digital space. It doesn't work that way. As a result of the COVID season, Rob would now tell me, Hey Jeff, you know what? I can disciple people quicker. In more effective in digital space than I can physically. If only because of this, the people, when I disciple them digitally, we don't have to coordinate calendars if you're available, what this looks like. We don't have to drive back and forth to different locations. Yeah, I can say, hey, we're going to meet Monday at 8 p.m. The, after the kids go to bed, and I can have that conversation with that person, and we can disciple via Zoom. And yep. what he's found is that even through that, because they don't have to worry about childcare, because they don't have to worry about all this other stuff, people are coming back to him and saying, hey, can we meet twice a week instead of once? And so he's That's able awesome. to get through the system at a much quicker process. Listen, we've, universities are moving to an online system, so knowledge can be passed through it very easily. And here I will say this last thing. This is what we're finding in Iran, because you got to realize the U.S. church, Western Civ, we question whether this digital stuff is possible globally. Well, shoot, the Iranian church are the best digital pastors on the planet because that's really? the only thing they have.
0: Oh, there true. is no physical sense.
1: church; it's all shut down. It's all underground. And so here's the process in Iran: you broadcast the satellite service into a satellite broadcast into homes, either hitting on TVs or on devices that is not a church service that is programming with subtle leads towards christianity and the goal of that programming is to get keep people connected to a whatsapp channel mm. on that whatsapp channel someone's on the other end of that whatsapp talking to that iranian person eventually leading that person to christ that all happens via whatsapp now when that person in that household accepts christ the church is now still discipling that person to lead the rest of the household to Christ. All this is done via WhatsApp. This is not done via physical. When the entire household accepts Christ, this is when the entire household meets the church for the first time to get baptized. That's awesome. Why wait that long? Because if the, when they baptize people in Iran, that's when the government has the authority to kill you. So they baptize the household together. So the household is in this together, living the life under fear of what could eventually be, you know, Iranian mess.
0: Wow. That's real
1: persecution. WhatsApp <laughs> is literally responsible for discipling people to the point that their government can kill them. Yeah. And so to tell me that wow. you can't do stuff via this technology, that God doesn't move via WhatsApp, is a lie.
0: It's already, it, it's already happening.
1: It's already happening. We just need to look at it. And maybe yeah. even learn something from the the Iranian church that's actually being progressive and making things happen in the world today.
0: It's amazing what scarcity will do for your ministry strategy. And COVID showed us that. It's amazing like what having no options and having to get creative about reaching people will do to get people in a way, and then suddenly we can't meet. And wow. And then we're seeing that that's already been kind of going on. In other places of the world, and you hit on something too. Like you're, you can meet with somebody and and do schedules. So let me introduce you guys, if you don't know about Calendly, or TidyCal or something like that, to schedule appointments where you people can pick a place to meet with you that works in their schedule and you can disciple via Zoom. And it's just, it's a super awesome tool um, to do that. But it actually, you lead me into a, into our next question really well about uh, reaching people like all over the place, all over the world, because another part of discipleship is that passage or sharing of worldview is that, you know, you're going to cross cultures. And I know when you, when you plant churches, this is something you really have to consider when you go overseas or in other states, even you're moving from, Texas to New Jersey to plan a church. You know, you, you, it's a it's a different world in New Jersey than it is here in DFW. So, um as we're thinking about passing that worldview, the contextualizing it, all that good stuff. Um how does how can you disciple someone well that's in a different culture because online you can do that. You could have someone that you meet with regularly or that goes to your church or that comes across your content and you can be quote discipling them teaching them how to reach people and how to be like Christ in their, in their area, but in their area, it's very different than yours. So is that a barrier or how do you get around that online?
1: That, that's a great question. And these, these are things that we're literally wrestling with in real time. I'm working with a, uh, a parachurch uh, global uh, student organization, somebody that's working with uh, middle school, high school, college students, and, and they're wrestling with this idea of doing a global campus. The goal would be literally to connect a kid wow. in uh, Ohio with a kid in Korea uh, and, and let them—this isn't a church because it's a parachurch organization, it's a campus that, that's running alongside, and they're looking towards more relational stuff. And disciple-making, not necessarily doing a full church ecclesiology side conversation. But, but at the heart of this, it's, it's being very open-handed in some of these situations. The, the, the core is, Are we teaching, or are we training? And and there's maybe a nuance here with the words, but I want to be be particular. Teaching is I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Here's a uh, here's a checklist. Done, 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 done. This is how you need to think. And and in 2022, I don't even know that that works. Even in America, even in your town, we've become so um, contextualized and so a uh, bifurcated as a society, you know. I joke with people; there'll never be another Beatles. There's go go on Google right now. There, last yeah. I checked, there's 47 different subgenres of rock and roll, like from screamo all the way down to chill. Like mm-hmm. nobody's ever going to agree on one thing again. And, and so the the contextualization of that's very important. I can teach, but teaching isn't the solution. It needs to shift more towards a training mentality. Training takes things into contextualization because at the end of it, it doesn't matter what I say; it matters what what the trainer is taking away from it. And, and so, really, to be effective, we've got to, as the church, we have to release some of that control and to say we're not always going to be about this way, and instead, more of here are some ideas, here are some methods, start to contextualize out of this. Getting back to our our, our friend, the TikTok girl. Listen, I can help you spiritually understand what Christianity is. I can train you on the verses to share your faith. You need to contextualize and realize, okay, I got 60 seconds. I got three minutes now to, 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 to communicate this. You know, If I'm teaching you, if the church is teaching you, I'm teaching you to preach a 40-minute service. If I'm training you, I'm giving you the knowledge that you need, and I'm giving you freedom to contextualize it to what you need to do.
0: That's great. And I think that's an important, important, important distinction that when we're in discipleship, it's more about training than just teaching how, I mean, there's a teaching element, but you're helping them understand how to contextualize it. I think that's a great point. Wonderful point. Um, As, as we're looking at, you know, we've hit on this a few times. Um, When you, you mentioned it, TikTok girl and other places, we've talked about blogging, podcasting, creating content. Um. I think it's difficult. This is my opinion. I think it's difficult for churches to, um, see creating content as a form of discipleship because they're simply not there when the content is consumed. So you write a blog, you put it out, you have 50,000 hits. Let's say it's a great blog and you have 50,000 hits and readers, but you don't know who they are. You don't know how to connect with them, that not all of them signed up for your email list at the bottom of the blog or whatever you did, you did right. So how do you actually feel like dis- that? Is is that discipleship or is that just cons- consumerism in the church? Yeah. Um,
1: great question. Uh, there, there's a lot of this. There's a philosophy online to offline. We use this a lot in digital church. It came out of Saddleback maybe a decade or so ago. Uh, the gospel that we hear in our online world, it has to influence our offline relationships. If what we're hearing online is not influencing offline, then, then we're creating consumers. And, and so the fruits of the Spirit, for me, if, if I am a, a church attender in physical or digital space, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self-control, that needs to be in both of my worlds, my physical and my digital world. If they don't match up, if they don't align, I'm consuming a product, but it, it's not real to me and so the the is with content is are you is that affecting people in their real life is probably step number one challenge number one challenge number two does the church know it and so you know a, a sermon could be really impactful in my life but if i if the church doesn't even know who i am much less if it's if it's actually making an impact it, it's not going to be the church is going to be discouraged thinking they're not making a difference not realizing that they are making a difference they just don't know who i am yeah
0: and that's the question do we need to be able to measure it for it to count as discipleship it kind of comes back to that uh, in the content space because you don't know who's reading it how it's affecting them do you still consider it to be
1: discipleship i, I would answer that question with this i, I think that the church I, I think that individuals i think we need to figure out how to get to one-on-one or or one the small as quickly as possible Uh, you know, I I would—and even organizations like Church Home out in in the Pacific Northwest in California, I mean, they are very aggressive um, in in digital space. Their lead pastor stands up, is on the news maybe a couple years ago, uh, where the guy thinks that they can pastor people through a mobile app. And and that's not—when he said that, he got a lot of heat. That's not automated. Like They've not automated the relationship aspect. As a matter of fact, there's now Pastor Chat, where literally they take in physical campus pastors. They've now made them Pastor Chat, which is int- they now are are literally like on the little mobile devices or on call centers answering and taking calls, building relationships either audibly or or via texting. And, and what's what's yeah. fascinating is I've I've talked with these Pastor Chats, Pastor of Chats. They're telling me that they're doing seventy to ninety percent more ministry digitally. Than they were ever able to do as a physical campus pastor, mm. like their wow. ability to connect with people relationally built in digital space far outsees what was happening in, in the physical space. Their words, not mine. I've they're on podcasts. You can go back and listen to it. So the the opportunity to really start to engage it looks different, and and we can't automate relationship out of this. Relationship has to be a part of it, but it's more of how can we do that at an ability to scale. How can we do that? How can we empower others to do that? To say that one person, one pastor has to be responsible isn't possible. But if we can now disseminate that responsibility to disseminate others to challenge to step up to others, now you see where you can scale this thing up at a higher level.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, and I, I love what they're doing too. That's a great example. The, I think it's Judah Smith. Is that his name? Yes. As yeah, pastor, Judas lead, lead there. Um, he's, uh, he's got a mobile app and they've basically made it the hub of all things they do in, as a church. And it's a very aggressive and prog- progressive approach to, to ministry. It's very interesting. So I, I'd, I'd love to have a little more insight, like what's going on there, because I think they're on the cutting edge of, of kind of what we're talking about. How do you disciple people online? I want to talk about something that has been bothering me too. Um, in the online space, especially in our world of hotly debated topics, online let's call it that hotly debated highly divisive algorithms that are trying to make us all hate each other that kind of world Um, it's really easy to post about something that you care about gripe about something you care about uh, even post inspiring things about something you care about but like you said if it's not influencing our online lives the word for that is actually slacktivism And it's it's the it's the coined phrase of slacktivism of trying to gripe about something, yell about something online, but you're actually not giving money to anything. You're not actually taking part in serving in any way in in whatever cause that you're you you care about. Let's say it's abortion or it's uh, immigration or it's uh, uh, whatever. And and you're like angry about it on social. You talk about it a lot. You blog about it, but you don't actually do anything. (laughs) And it's the idea of slacktivism. Uh, signing petitions, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a danger here with online discipleship of having kind of that slacktivism side to it where let's say you get into a relationship, let's say you're discipling me. We've set up this like relationship. I'm going to meet with you once a month or once a week, whatever it is. We're going to get on Zoom. We're going to talk. There's no way for you to really know like what I'm doing and I could come and meet with you, talk a big game and go do nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so how would you say as a, as an online disciple or discipler, we address that uh, combat that, because I know that's an issue, it's going to be there. So what do we do in the digital space to help curb that mentality? Cause I think it's very prominent in not just young generations, but really all generations that are online.
1: Yeah. I mean, let let's be honest, that's a problem in physical space too. Yes. I mean, I, I gonna I'm gonna answer your question, but that's the same challenge in physical space. I, Absolutely. I got somebody I don't know that's sitting in the back row of my physical church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, listen, here in Miami, I can tell you horror stories where we had a murderer who ended up killing like six killed his entire family, was a regular attender at the church that I was at. Yeah. In Austin, I had a porn star who was regularly attending the church. MTV actually wanted to do a documentary about the porn star that was attending our church where, oh, I, where, wow. where i worked in in austin i was communications director at that church that was a oh. really interesting season for that, Fun times. that church so listen you, you you have that that reality right yeah um and, and so that that's hard which this is some of the reason why I, for me I, I want to develop relationships with people as quickly as possible i had somebody this is a real life story i had somebody in um I was, a, I was a digital pastor uh, at a church here in, in Miami. I uh, had somebody reach out to me, a uh, former Miami congregant who lived in Pennsylvania at, at the time. Uh, and, and she said, hey, I, I want to lead an online small group. I love that. That's awesome. Tell me a little about yourself. Well, I was released out of blah, 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 correctional institution. Wait, what? She was, uh, she was up for fraud and racketeering. Oh, and wow. long story short, was rehabilitated within the church and what an opportunity to, to lead a small group. She left Miami to, to start a new life. And, and, and on the outside, like the story is dramatic. Uh, on the inside, do we really trust this? What, who, who, what, are, we, what are we looking at? Like, are, are we going to open this up for more issues or do we need to? And, and so, I mean, several things happened. One, uh, we had a very exhaustive uh, discipleship process up front that we took every volunteer through. And, and so it's like, hey, if, if you, if you want to be a part of this, we have the standard across all of the online campuses. You're going to be with us for, for three months before you do anything, uh, because we're going to teach you a discipleship system. It was, maybe it was eight weeks, but it was called the Timothy Initiative. Mm, and, okay. uh, and so we, we went through that. And, and then, hey, let's get you to apprentice with somebody else. And, and so through that, through eight weeks of getting to know us and us evaluating what's going on her side, in addition to that, the apprentice, which another set of eyes into that, we started to weed out and she ended up being great she's still teaching a small group and this is like three years later so like it was a solid lead but it was one of those things that we want to you know trust but verify so, so yeah. to speak along the way i will say this like for people and and, and I'm, I'm not up with all the the cool jargon here uh, like the people that do ministry in the twitch world mm-hmm. um they tell me 30 percent of the contacts of the ministry they do in twitch it's people pretending to be somebody else. Is that fishing or, or whatever? Yeah. Catfishing. Um, catfishing. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Once again, you know, totally not there. But that's 30% <laughs> of what they deal with. They're doing ministry, but half of it is them trying to figure out if, if the people are really what they say they are in that situation. And, and so this is really just like, you know, an issue within ministry, especially as messy as 2021 is. And, and so, it, honestly, this is part of the reason why people are jumping off the train where, where we're seeing the the great resignation you know even start to affect some of our churches here in 21 and 22 and beyond
0: yeah and check out our previous podcast to learn more about that uh, oh cool great, great resignation um well i i feel like we've covered a whole host of things and i think you're right and one of the things in this that you just said it's smart to do discipleship in community it it's not it, it the one on one is good but having the extra set of eyes and the extra set of ears uh, as, as people are you know growing and learning, getting those opinions, getting that, that insight can be helpful as well, especially if you have a situation like you've described. So uh, I think that's wise too. Um, just in general, we know churches are trying to disciple. There are some that are trying it. They're, they're really trying to get out there and, and do it. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen them make so far? And it, you know, posting things like they go too deep, too fast um you know there was a there was a post i think just the other day that was in your group or on your page or something where somebody you, you had this text message thread and you were like what's wrong with this and it was like hey what's the meaning of life guys and it was like everybody then not leave the chat yeah <laughs> and i thought that was brilliant like what are some of the things you see that churches are trying it but maybe making mistakes so that we can learn from that
1: i think the next option on, on the table is i mean there's there's some practical things to, to do it's recognize the the power and influence of of the people in the pew Mm -hmm. um really see them as as the future and as the opportunity um organizations think they have far more influential capacity and and you're right church you may have like if you're a if you're a 500 person church today you're probably because the the limited number of time people come like a 500 person church on a sunday is actually probably more like Fifteen hundred person influence. They just come at different seasons and different parts, and that may be exciting for you. And for you, it's like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out how to really reach these fifteen hundred people and get them to commit to coming every every Sunday to a service. I think there's an opportunity to pivot, and and instead just trying to focus on on the fifteen hundred, and be more like, how do I get the five hundred to talk to their circle of influence of ten? Instead of so instead of one man or woman exuding their spiritual gifts, preaching. In front of thousands, what if we got our thousands to to like be the church in front of their tens, in front of their twenties, in front of their fifties, in physical space or in digital space? You know, and, and so and and what what's going to come out of that? And this is going to be a pain point. And, and, and if I've said anything offensive, it's going to happen right here in the next three minutes. Awesome. Um. Yeah. It's 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 going to be good up front. I, I think we need to lower the standard on church. And actually, we need to raise the standard on discipleship. I I think that there's so much disciple-making. I think that there's so much emphasis that goes into that one hour on Sunday. And that one hour on Sunday is really effective in in reaching a type of person. But it is incredibly ineffective at reaching a whole bunch of other people. You know, By far, the majority are not going to be reached by that building. And, And so if we could really figure out ways to release our people, To get them out of the building. And to do that, we we need to look that church is may not be the standard of that one hour on Sunday. And I'm a guy who's created tens of thousands of those church services. It's not as effective as it is getting our people out there. And so, Pastor, as much as we want to get worked up that people aren't in our building, probably the bigger standard is: man, can we get people on mission? Can we give them a spiritual purpose? when they're not in our building. It's not about bringing people in as much as as equipping and training our people to go out, to be the church in in unique places, to start to embrace different uh, ideas of what church can be, uh, different models, a a micro, a workplace, a prison ministry, a, a social media campus, a campus that exists in virtual reality. Like We're seeing so much success in churches today across America. That are being effective in recreating churches in different spaces that are reaching different people that the building never will it's really not a matter of is this possible it's a matter of is your church going to be brave enough to release control to others disciple them to a place spiritually where they can be trusted and released in such a way that they can be effective in doing ministry where god's leading them to
0: absolutely i think it's it's an incredible point so um Tell us a little bit more, like what's, what's going on with you? I know you're you're invested in this heavily. So yeah. tell us about some of the efforts that you've got going forward to reframe the church's idea of discipleship. We just talked about reframing ministry quite a bit too, but just discipleship in general, uh, the church space, you, you mentioned several things there. So tell me a little bit more about what's going on in your world.
1: Like we, uh, through the Church Digital, we've been creating content and having conversations for years uh, about this stuff meeting with churches meeting with leaders here's what we're doing uh we've started here in 22 uh we've started a digital church network uh it's literally a network of digital churches now probably your church has some sort of a uh within your city there's probably a network or a state there's a network or a denomination that's providing support for you coaching accountability structure we're looking to do that. But for us, it's not location-based, like on a physical map, it's, it's digital. And we're working with national organizations on, on what that could look like. And we're developing right now, we're working with Casey Underground, Rob Wagner, we talked about Rob on this call. Um, we're working with Rob on how to create the way that Rob looks at microchurches scattered around Kansas City, uh, on how he's empowering people to be the missionary within their community within Kansas City. Yeah. We're taking that same premise and we're applying it to bivocovo to normal people, challenging them, empowering them, training them on how to be a digital missionary, on, on how to get out there and connect within the physical and or digital space and, and start to create some of these organic expressions of church. And, and for us, rather than trying to create this massive thing, for us, it's more about, man, can we... Can we really start to network with people? Can we help people realize their individual vision and train them on how that individual vision that individual vision, can multiply out? Yeah. Can we work with established churches, the mega gigas, help them understand it's not about the large experience, it's more about releasing those people out like we had talked about, giving them spiritual purpose beyond your building on Sunday morning. And so the goal of Digital Church Network is literally empowering individuals in digital space and giving them the resources to see ministry happen and train them on how to, notice I said train, not teach, train them on how to multiply that out within their context. So for more information on that, uh, it's digitalchurch.network. And so find information there, and of course, more than stuff happening over at the church, digital as well.
0: Yeah, I'll put both those websites in the show notes as well as a link to your social, pretty much anywhere it is your name backwards. It's dear I always say Dear F Jeff when I see it, even though that's not how you pronounce it. But it's Oh my gosh. D-E-E-R F-F-E-J.
1: It takes people a while to realize that it's yeah. my name backwards. Like that's not an immediate realization. What is that word? It's my name backwards. Oh, okay, that makes
0: yeah, sense. Yeah, it took me a second, but yeah. um, but I've I've known you for years now, so it's it's just <laughs> I have to have a way of saying it in my head, and that's how I say it to know how to spell it. Um, so, Jeff, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the time, the conversation, and I really appreciate what you're doing in the world to to really make moves towards helping churches do this discipleship in the digital space better and helping us reframe what we think about discipleship in the digital age. So thank you very much.
1: Love it. Glad to be here. Thank you for this. Thank you for everything you do, man. This is incredible stuff for the kingdom, what you've been doing, Seth. So thanks for doing it.
0: I appreciate that. And thank you guys for listening. We'll be back again with another episode of the seminary of hard knocks podcast. Now you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast and I'll be back in your ear holes later. See ya.